You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey guys, this is Rick Hadrava, and this is another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. You know, I'm really excited to have our guest today. And over the years, I've come to recognize myself that business owners really are in search of freedom. It's what gets them started in the first place. And really, if we dig into that, freedom means different things, but two real big things. And that is really freedom of time and financial freedom. That's what drove me to to write the book and work on the book that I'm working on right now called The Freedom Formula. But I also have recognized over the years that 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 degree of freedom requires a whole lot of work. And it even goes deeper in that. You know, it requires the skills of other people. And I think today's guest just candidly brings not only a big skill set here, but an entire system focused on helping business owners free themselves from the daily operations of running their business. And I think his latest book, Systemology, you know, he not only shares his expertise and his experience, but he gives some really helpful resources, shares some stories, and it's all designed around one thing, helping business owners. He's an entrepreneur who systemized himself out of his own business, and now he's on a mission to do the same for other business owners. I'm so pleased to have to in the Epic Studios today and on the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast, Way of Australia, and I got to tell you, the time difference is staggering, but David Jennings. David, welcome to the show. Fantastic. Thank you for the warm introduction, and I've been looking forward to this call. Myself as as well, and you were kind enough to send me a a copy of the book, and I've worked my way through it, and I'm super excited to share that with our audience today, but let's stop. Let's go back and share your story of how you got to where you are today, David. I suppose the big question is how far do we go back? There are definitely a few stories along the way. Um, most recently, and, and probably one of the big insights I had was working in the digital agency. So I did own a digital agency for about 13 years, and I had really worked in that business for a good 10 of those years. And it wasn't until I had that turning point, that defining moment, I found out we were pregnant and we were expecting, and I thought, oh, I don't want to be that dad who's always too busy. I was working the really long hours, doing the 70-hour, 70 to 80-hour work weeks, working the evenings, the mornings, the weekends, just really burning the candle. And I thought, oh, I need to go deep in understanding how do you build a business that works without you? So I started reading all the books, you know, built to sell and scaling up and traction and work the system. And a lot of the books I found yeah, they, they really focused heavily in on selling you the idea of the systems, even the e-myth. That's, I mean, that's an absolute classic. Uh, and that talks a lot about systemizing business, but it doesn't really give you the how-to. Where do you get started? And that was the, the big sort of challenge for me. Um, but I did spend a good amount of time working myself out before we hired the CEO. She ran that business for about three years with me very much out of the business. I took some time off really focused in on the kids and the family for quite some time and then just realigned myself. It's, it's funny I find with business because there's been a lot of businesses I've been involved in 
and you just kind of fall into it sometimes and then you jump from one thing to the next and there's not a huge amount of strategic thought thinking about the impact that you're going to have, the projects that you want to work on, the, the freedom that you want to give yourself, whether that's the freedom to work hard or it's the freedom to step back when you need to or just that freedom because it's funny, business owners, and I love your introduction and the whole premise of the podcast and the book that you've got coming up uh, because business owners, they start off looking for freedom but then they most often find that's anything but what they actually get. They end up getting trapped into this business uh, and they get it off the ground and burn the candle at both ends. But there has to be a point at which that changes. You, you can't just stay trapped in that business forever. And a few key things need to happen for that to happen. You're absolutely right. Matter of fact, what we found is business owners that don't get themselves out of that. They, they typically grind themselves out. They come across some kind of adversity. And a lot of times they shut the doors and something they've created for years becomes, it, it loses all its value, right? In everything we've done. And, but you, you figured that out through the education and you, you actually accomplished the freedom. What did you learn? You know, we talk about freedom from a standpoint of doing bigger things or, mm. like you said, taking time off the, to do other things with your family or whatever. What, did, what was your biggest takeaway in your time once you got that freedom? You got the CEO in place and you had this because it really was time, right? And financially had to come with that to, to give you the freedom of time as well, right? For sure. I think... The biggest thing that I learned was the chance to step back and then just listen, listen to the business, listen to the thoughts that are going on in my head and thinking about the direction that I wanted to head. Because when I was in it and just grinding it out, I wasn't really hearing you know, what my heart was speaking to. And I I kind of, I realized, I mean, I got into the digital agency because I was passionate about it, but then I I lost that passion because I'm a creative and I love uh, solving problems and coming up with new ideas and seeing them come into the world. And I got trapped in the agency, probably I would say about seven years too long, where it felt like I, I was just going through the motions because I'd created this machine where I was the center cog and everything would rely on me to keep turning. And the team would come to me, the clients would come to me. I just built myself into the business. And a big part of that was I I was the business who got it off the ground. I knew how to do the thing. Like I was the, the digital marketer. And, and I see that all too often where um, sometimes that's Uh, it's a blessing and a curse. A lot of business owners, they get started thinking that they can do the thing. So they start doing the thing, you know, they're the hairdresser, they're the accountant, they're the lawnmower. I mean, whatever it is, they they think that they, because they can do the thing, they can run the business. And then you you very quickly realize that there's a, a whole huge range of skills and other things that you need to run the business. And you're so trapped into doing the thing, it becomes increasingly more difficult to step away. And then even as you start to build up the team around you, 
You've effectively trained them that you are the knight in shining armor. Whenever there's a problem, when the client's banging on the door, when, you know, you need to get more leads, when you've got a staffing, everybody just comes to you, the business owner, and you've trained them. And it's it's hard because all of that got reinforced. You, you've had the success of building the business to where you are today um, by doing all of the micromanaging, by keeping across things, by delivering to a certain standard. So all of that in your brain gets reinforced that this is good behavior, but it builds up bad habits. And, and you need to go through that first little bit to get the business to a certain size, but then you've got to break the habits. Otherwise, you get stuck like I did and seven years passes and you're like, where did that time go? And it's a great point because I, I, I see that with small business all the time. They have a technical skill or expertise. They gather some success. And then they start to, they hit a wall and it requires kind of different skills and different people sometimes, quite honestly, to break through to that, that other side. And I really like the way that you put that. Well, let's circle back and, and I'm going to head us down the direction towards the book. And, but I want to go back. You, you mentioned e-myth and you have more than just a reading love of the bookie myth. You've gotten to know Michael and his wife. Share a little bit about how that became to be and and what you learned from your time there. That I think speaks to exactly what you talk about around this idea of freedom and opportunity. Because towards the tail end of the work, working inside the agency, when we found out we were pregnant I, and I've decided, right, I need to hire my CEO and systemize myself out of the role. So I'd done that and literally not more than one month after feeling like that was complete uh, and Melissa started stepping in and taking over, I got an email completely out of the blue from a lady called Luz Delia Gerber. Now, I didn't know Luz Delia, but I definitely knew the surname Gerber because the e-myth is considered by many as, you know, one of the the best business books of all time. Like it sold a huge, tremendous amount of copies. So, And all the email said was call me. And I was like, oh, this is a little bit random. It was, um, I'm an early riser. So it was 7 a.m. in Melbourne, but I knew that would be in the afternoon on the West Coast in the States. So I just called the phone call. Um, and started chatting with Luz Delia. And it's funny, in the book, actually, because the, the Gerbers love to record everything, I actually got my hands on that original recording and have it transcribed and put into the book. That The short version of what happened was she said, look, Michael's uh, t- just turned 80 and he's written the last book in his E-Myth series called Beyond the E-Myth. And for the first time, we've decided not to go through a traditional publisher, all of the previous books, they all went through HarperCollins, but Michael's sort of getting on a little bit and he's thinking about legacy and wants to maintain the rights to his work so he can kind of think about how it's controlled and looked after beyond him. So she said, oh, look, we're going to self-publish and launch this book and I, I need someone to do the launch. And however it happened, I'm not sure, I came across your work uh, from This is the work that I do in the digital agency. She said, I watched a video, I signed up to your list, and I watched you launch my first book, which is a book called Authority Content. She said, I love what you did, and I'd love for you to work on uh, the book launch for Michael. And I said, I, I don't even do book launches. This is not my thing. And she goes, oh, but I saw what you did, and I, I think you know, you'd be the perfect fit. And she said, I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, I just think you're the guy. So I started 
um, she said, look, the, the book launches in three months. She goes, we've kind of got a real tight timeline. And I said, yep, look, I'm happy to do it. And she said, um, but you'll have to work solidly on this for three months, you know, put everything else aside and just work on this project. And I just, uh, for a moment, I kind of paused and thought about it. And I said, I'd love to do it. And she goes, and then I said, I'd love to do it. And I'd love to volunteer to do this project for Michael as an, just an opportunity to work with Michael and learn from Michael. So I went down that rabbit hole and it was just amazing to work in that capacity. I've never seen doors open quicker than just mentioning Michael's name and I would have people fall over themselves just wanting to interview him and be part of that process and join in the book launch. Long story short, the book launched uh, incredibly well. It got uh, Amazon bestseller within 24 hours for the business category and it was the first book that Michael had ever done a book launch for like that Uh, and to celebrate we flew there was myself and and I called in a few favors to help me out with the launch Uh, so some friends helped me out and then we flew to Carlsbad California because Michael was running one of the last live uh, events that he ran called the dreaming room and I went uh, to this course um, with Michael we rented this Airbnb, this Mac Daddy house in Carlsbad, California, hanging off the side of some mountain overlooking the ocean. It was it was just a magical week. And then at the end of that week um, and spending some time with Michael uh, and, and after the event, they they wanted me to stay on. There was a uh, like a private mastermind in his presidential suite because it was in this swanky hotel and he had this presidential suite and they um, had a mastermind where they were just focused on Michael's future legacy. And they were talking about, well, what are we going to do um, you know, with his body of work and those sorts of things. And they, they were trying to get Tony Robbins to actually facilitate it. And they had a bunch of just real heavy hitters in the room. And for whatever reason, um, they, they couldn't find the facilitator. So I stuck my hand up and I said, oh, look, I'll facilitate the group for the, for the two-day mastermind. To my surprise, they said, yes, that's a great idea. Um, And it got all uh, recorded and it was just an amazing experience to be in that space. And I can't believe not more than four months earlier, I didn't know Michael. I didn't have any relationship. Here I was, you know, four months later launching the book in Carlsbad, California, facilitating the future direction of his business. And that's when I got that aha moment where I said, I can see the true benefit of systems. I didn't see it until that moment where I realized because I'd systemized the business, I created enough space for me to not only see an opportunity when it fell in my lap, but have the space to actually take advantage of that opportunity. If he had come to me six months earlier or 12 months earlier when I was heavily in the business, I would have said, oh, look, that's great, but I'm not sure I can do this because I've got kids. I've got a business that I'm supporting. I'm I'm the guy. There's no way I could have worked on it for three months. So I feel like systems really give you an option on opportunity. And sometimes the opportunity that you don't even know exists because you might be so busy, you don't see the opportunity. There's a number of opportunities that you, you might see and have to say no to just because you don't have the space, but then there's a number that you just don't see So uh, of these opportunities. So it was a huge lesson for me. And then that was a big driver to write this book because I realized, hang on, there's something to systems, yet it's such a blind spot for business owners, but it's quite possibly the most important thing a business owner needs to cross that gap from that 
brand new startup mode through to, um, you know, stepping out of the business. Sure. Well, before we get into the book, because I do want to get into that, I want to ask you a question because I feel like you put yourself out there and I, and I like to encourage that from my entrepreneurial community because I've always felt like when you get yourself uncomfortable as an entrepreneur, unbelievable things happen. And I mean, let, let's face it. I got to imagine you, there were a few times in that whole episode you've just covered with us that you woke up in the middle of the night with the sweats going, what have I done? Right. And, and to facilitate a group like that, were, were you ever uncomfortable, David? <laughs> At numerous uh, parts along there, I was uncomfortable from the first email that I got that said, call me. <laughs> um, just thinking, oh, where's this going to go? But I, I'm the same. I've, I've learned over the years to lean into the uncomfortable because I know a lot of people won't do the uncomfortable. So that ends up being my, my opportunity, my chance to learn to enjoy it because I know that's where the upside comes from. I know that's where the growth comes from. So it's, yeah, for me, it was just, you've got to lean into this and, and really what's the worst that can happen? What's, what's the downside? There is no downside when you think about it. Like, yeah, I, I, I didn't have that opportunity prior to that moment. So let's just follow the rabbit hole and see where it goes. And, and the more uncomfortable situations you put yourself in, the, the better you become at dealing with uncomfortable situations. And then the universe likes to give you bigger, more uncomfortable situations. So you just keep growing into it. I, I think Absolutely. that's one thing you've got to do. Get uncomfortable uh, and, and be happy there and then work from uncomfortable. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable is the, yeah. is the phrase that I like to use. But you yeah. also go into this, and this is why, so we'll get into the book. The freedom formula that I talk about really is be, because of the feedback that I've gotten from business owners, just asking them that we all have bigger things that we aspire to do. And that can mean so much for, for each individual. But you pinpointed this, a critical step in this is your system. And, and once you've got a product or service that has some ability, or like you said, it could even be from origination. So tell us a little bit, give, give us a little overview on the book and why it's so important to you as your mission. Cause you, and, and please share your mission, you know, as, you, as you've written this book, you know, share that with our audience. And, and I'd be interested to know from your words, why that mission is so important. Yeah. So the dream is to free all business owners worldwide from the day-to-day operations of running the business. So that's the dream. So the mission then becomes to fulfill that dream. I need to create the system that can uh, organize, extract, and optimize the, the best practice inside a business. And I need a system for how that's done so it can then be done at scale. So the reason I've been called to do this work is I've um, it was a problem that I had. And I know, therefore, you know, I am my target market when it comes to small business owners bridging that gap. And I've had the good fortune to do it in a a few times in uh, various businesses because it is a journey. You go through this staged process and every business starts off with the idea and hustling and grinding it out and getting up to a certain point. But then there are the later stages and that's, it's the jump that people struggle with. And I recognized that and and it was through reading books like Traction and um, 
rocket fuel. I think, I mean, Gino Wickman's work more than any uh, over the years has spoken to me really clearly. This idea that the business owner oftentimes is the visionary. They're the big person thinker. Uh, They see the problem in the world. They create the solution that they want to see solve that problem. But because they're a big visionary thinker, oftentimes they're not a a detail-orientated person and they need the yin to their yang because systems and processes, they're so critical to business, but they live in the blind spot of the business owner. And the business owner has this habit of feeling like they need to solve everything. They think, and it's the same with systems. They hear about systems in the, you know, they read the e-myth, they get all excited by systems, and then they think, okay, well, I need to be the one that creates the systems and the processes because I see how important it is. That's how I've solved every other problem in my business to date. Therefore, I need to create the systems. But the, the problem with that thinking is that, we all, I've never had a conversation with a business owner where they've, we've not agreed that systems and processes aren't important. Everybody knows they're important. It's, it's that they're not urgent. So the business owner never gets around to it. They never find time to do it. And because they are the ones that think that they need to be the ones that create the systems, it just doesn't get done. So I, I feel like the books that I have read to date, again, did great at building the case for systems but none of them really showed how the business owner can um, solve the problem and overcome a bunch of misconceptions and false beliefs around business systemization. The, the business owner doesn't need to create the systems. Uh, business systems don't remove creativity. People think that even if they create systems, their team aren't going to follow them anyway, or that they're going to need to create hundreds of systems, or that they need to systemize like McDonald's. Like there's, there's a bunch of these myths that just send people off on these little random sort of rabbit holes that then they get stuck in. So this book has been designed to speak very specifically to those and challenge those assumptions and then give them the roadmap, just the first seven steps that someone goes through for systemizing a business. This isn't Six Sigma. This isn't Lean. This isn't some high-end business systemization flowcharty type thing. This is real world, small business, where do I get started? Well, and you, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been a fan of of all the books that you've mentioned and I've studied them all and I've sat through the workshops. And, you know, the thing that always got me is it almost gets layers of complication. And one of the things you point out in the book is it's kind of the keep it simple, stupid kind of routine. And I really liked the permission not have not to have to be the person to put the system in play and, and create it because that's something that I believe too. There are people that are better equipped um, on your team and outside your team to do that. And your book does a great job of going in there and sharing that. You tell some stories throughout the book, um, kind of like case studies and, and things. And those are great. But I'm always interested, David, like what stories as you research this and put this book together, let, kind of give us a little bit of dirt, right? Like what were the stories that maybe didn't make it into the book that you'd be willing to share with our audience? One jumps out at me immediately because we just told the the Michael Gerber story. And I'll, I'll mention this before I go into some of the case studies that got left out. But I almost feel like this is the dirty little secret of Michael Gerber that needs to be shared. And that is that um, he is known 
the world over as the godfather to business systems, but he is not a a lover of creating systems and processes. He doesn't really like the detail. He he does he just doesn't do that. He's a creator. He's a magnificent creator who can just pull things out of the ether um, with these ideas. Um, but that that was one of the things. I, I in hindsight, I probably should have put it in the book, but I wasn't too sure if I was treading on a line there to kind of say he's not that because you need to understand that idea of the yin and the yang, but he he is a creator and that's okay. If you're a business owner and you don't like the idea of systems or it doesn't immediately resonate with you, that's okay. Like that, in fact, it's a good thing to recognize that so that you can then find the other missing piece because you need systems and processes. You just might not be the person to do it. So that, that was a little one that just popped into my head. But as far as like stories that, that didn't make the final cut. One I remember was th- there's a, a guy uh, called Mike Rhodes who um, I he's an Australian-based guy and he, he runs a, a company called um, Web Savvy and he uh, is a systems uh, thinker, like he used to be an e-myth coach uh, and um, built up a business, systemized it, sold it from um, his company in New Zealand then came to Australia and that's how I came across him when he was in Australia. And he started this digital agency and he went hog wild on creating the systems. And I talk about this in the book where I said he over-systemized. He created so many systems that it ended up becoming a lead weight for the business. Um, but there was another story that I left out because I didn't want to have two stories to do with him. But his, one of his key department heads who heads up the um, Facebook department of his business for Facebook ads because they run like Google ads and Facebook ads. Um, the the business was dependent on him. Um, the the um, or, or that department was dependent on this key team member, uh, Trevor. He's knew Facebook really really well, but the risk was whenever he wasn't there, that whole all of projects would grind to a halt. Um, if something happened to Trevor, it was all trapped in his head. Uh, and Michael uh, and Mike saw this as a real risk. So uh, he, he brought me in to start working with uh, Trevor. And I mean, that was the sign of a, a good leader and someone who already recognized this. Michael just thought, I don't need to be the guy. I don't need to be present or involved in this. Let's just get Trevor to work to extract it out of his brain. But there was real resistance from Trevor when I first started working with him. He, he couldn't see the benefit. He thought it was going to be time consuming. He thought it was going to, uh, he couldn't see because he didn't have much of a team underneath him. You know, he had one or two assistants and he thought, why am I do, spending the time doing this when I'm so busy and I've got all of these clients I'm working on and I need to meet with Dave to identify the key systems and extract them and, you know, let Dave do the documentation. So, but, but he, you know, under Mike's direction, he, he, he did it. And we started working together over a few months, months process. It wasn't until the end of that process that he, it was almost like one of the biggest resistors ended up becoming the biggest champion for systems and processes because it wasn't until he got through the other side and he realized, wow, not only did I get to think about the way that I'm doing and capture it. And he said, oh, you know, I thought I was creating these systems for the staff, which he did end up doing, but he said, I now use them and refer to them. When I've got a call with a client and I want to know what are the 
things that I need to touch on. I look at the system that has the talking points and he goes, that then frees me up to be more in the moment and think creative because I don't need to think about all of the micro steps and, oh, did I ask them this or that? Because he just covers that as part of the system. And he's gone on now and built out that Facebook division in Mike's business significantly. They've added a, a team of people underneath Trevor and every team member that comes on board goes through this initial set of learning the s- systems and processes that we created. And now what happens is it's, it's like he gives them 80% of the knowledge that that new team member needs really easily and they get right up to a certain standard. And then he steps in to deliver the final 20%, answer the questions, fine tune them and get them on the way. Um, and it, yeah, I just love that idea that the, the biggest resistor ended up becoming the biggest champion and now he champions systemology and the work that we do through the rest of the business. So it's, yeah, there, there's a bunch of stories like that I wanted to include and I had them at the end of the book initially, but then when it went to the editor, she's like, oh, at the end of the book, a few of these just feel out of place. She said, have one at the end of every chapter, um, but the, the rest of them we have to cut. So, um, but yeah, yeah it's, uh, there's a lot of stories that I've collected along the way. So that, so that begs the question as a follow-up. I know when you have to spend the time to put what's in your brain on paper in the form of a book, you dig into each topic, you think about it, you chew on it, you marinate, you research. What did you learn as you went through this process of putting this together, this book out? When it comes to writing a book, the way I've found the way that I like to write a book because me just sitting down, looking at a blank page and then trying to get something out onto the page that someone wants to read, I find incredibly challenging. I actually find writing a book a slow and painful process. Um, I don't relish in it, but I love the other side of it. I love once it's done. I love um, getting those ideas crystallized. There's something that happens by taking your best ideas and then sharing them it also forces you to innovate and get better because if you're sharing your best ideas, you, you it's like you're now releasing that idea into the world and then it's an opportunity to now create the new idea and the next thing and go deeper and think. So my process for writing a book, I found the easiest way, the hack for me, I run, at least I used to previously prior COVID, I'll run a, a live event, I'll teach the topic I'll then get that uh, video transcribed once we've completed the workshop. That transcription goes to the ghostwriter. The ghostwriter has first crack at it based on what he sees from the transcript. And then I get that um, that copy back from the ghostwriter. Now, I'm incredibly particular and I end up rewriting the whole thing anyway. But uh, having that first version and the ability to kind of go, oh, that bit speaks to me. I'll grab that story and a a chance to test the material as well. Like I want to see what connects with the audience. Uh, For example, in the book, one of the first things we talk about in the define stage is this process I call the critical client flow. And it's the way to identify the 20% of the systems in the business that deliver the bulk, you know, the 80% result of, of the core product or service that you're delivering. That step actually used to be step number four in the systemology process. And it was only through iteration and getting the feedback and people going, no, 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 this is your best bit. So I I moved that to the start and then it just everything clicked into gear. So I think there's no, 
I, the short answer <laughs> to your question, what did I learn, um, was no matter how deeply you think you know the topic, it's not until you get the feedback loop and you take it to market that you can go, oh, yes, this is working. Part of the process is going around and iterating and improving and polishing. Um, and, and that's what speaks to the final chapter in the book where I say don't systemize like McDonald's. Most people think they look to McDonald's as the poster child of business systemization and everybody goes, yeah, systemize like McDonald's. And yes, there is loads to be learned from McDonald's, but McDonald's has been systemizing for 60 years. If you try and systemize like they are today, that's that's like going up against an Olympic athlete who's been training their whole life, who's lean, mean, fighting machine, systemized business, like nothing else. And here you are, a, a flabby couch potato, at least I felt like I was, um, and, and I'm trying to systemize like then. No, you, you systemize like McDonald's was 60 years ago uh, and you iterate on that. So I'm imagining systemology over the time like will evolve, continue to evolve because it's I, I'm, I've got that open loop now. We're, we're putting as much businesses and, and business owners and their, you know, operations people through the program to see, to make sure it perfects the result and it goes back to the mission. You know, I need to create that system to be able to extract, organize and optimize best practice in a business. Fantastic. Well, I, I am so glad that I got to see an early copy and um, I can't wait to get my official book. But Systemology is the name of the book. I imagine Amazon, it's available on Amazon um, by the time this, uh, this episode airs. How, how else can people learn, David? We're, we're coming towards the end of our time today, and I hope we'll have you back because I'm interested to see, you know, a year from now down the road, what's changed for you and, and, and new opportunities that, that present themselves. But if somebody wants to learn more, I know there's resources. I know you have a website available for those resources. How do people find that information? Yeah, best place to go is just systemology.com forward slash book. That'll get you the links through to where the Amazon is because we're coming out when it launches uh, and this the, the book most likely will be live by the time you listen to this. So you can head to Amazon. We're doing a hardback, a Kindle and the audio book. So I've got the audio book was really fun because I went into the studio. I read it myself. There's a few Easter eggs in there with Michael's permission. I've, I've got a few uh, extra recordings. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but it's, it, it, the audio book is a really fun version as well. Um, and then on, on that website as well, if, if you are you know, into podcasts and thing like, things like that, I've got a, a podcast myself where I, I interview business leaders, have them share a system or a process and then we document. It's a little bit different um, from from Rick's podcast in that I really just focus on the system side of things. I think that's where I feel like I can add the most value. And I, I, I don't so much go into the history as I just say, what's the problem? How do you solve it? Let's turn it into a system. I love it. I love it. Well, as we know, it takes all sorts of people and, and ideas out there. But um, I love the work you're doing. And, and I wish you the very best. I can't wait to to see how, how things turn out and um, on with us just a second and we'll follow up after the show, David, if you'll just hold tight. Folks, you've been listening to another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Be sure to check out our website, epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast. You'll get today's podcast episode and the show notes to go with it along with other resources. And until next time, remember, 
we're only getting started. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com slash formula. And remember, we're only getting started.